Here we go again, everybody. We are back with a very special video. What you be, what you've been waiting for, what you pay to watch, which is the stuff that actually matters, not just Downing Street's furniture, not just that sort of nonsensical stuff. Uh, so we got Peter again. Is other one pointing that way? You're this way. There we go. That Hello. way. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna be. We have a list of uh, all the important stuff. Some of them you might know, but not the details, and some of the. To be fair, even I forgot some of them because we were so busy just talking about Boris. He got so boring. So Peter has a list of the main points. First, I'm guessing you're going to start talking about China. <laughs> I am China. In the infamous words of Donald Trump, China. And Barry Gardner. Oh, Barry Gardner. One of the most loathsome Labour MPs for me. I have to admit, I am not a fan of his. <laughs> there was this absolutely extraordinary report that came out and... Um, uh, this story of uh, how he's taken £420,000 from a lady called Christine Lee. Yep. Now, she is um, reported to have very strong links with Beijing. Um, they've basically stopped short of calling her a spy. Um, <laughs> and this is a really important story because it tells you all about just how much the, the Chinese are interfering in mm. other in other democracies. And, yeah. you know, this is about how the people wandering around Parliament having access to... Well, when we say Barry Gunn is a very important member of Parliament, Still. but he's a, he's a recognisable figure within Parliament, particularly after the Corbyn years, where he had quite a lot of um, influence then. And you know, and it, you know, it, it talks about like who's giving money to political parties. What are the what are the security background checks are going? And it took MI5 to come out and say, "Wait a minute, there's something yeah. wrong here." Yeah, um, it's the first time they actually released really the intelligence report. They never do. Yeah. Right, that's that's a really good point. They actually never release this. And but what's really important is that this isn't the first time this woman has popped up. She popped up around uh, David Cameron and George Osborne when they were basically rolling out the red carpet to China, particularly when they wanted investments uh, in, uh, I think it was nuclear power nuclear, stations, yeah. if I remember rightly. There was a, a, quite a big thing about that. I think it was about 2014-ish. Yeah, and, and, and Ed Davies supported it, and he got money from China too. And this is another one, <laughs> Ed Davies, another £5,000, you know, um, I'm not going to lie. She didn't expect, exactly pick the most influential members of Parliament <laughs> to um, uh, to um, she didn't know to give money to. But again, it just raises a really important question. And because of the Downing Street story, this this has really kind of just gone rather underreported. Yeah. Um, it talks about our security. It talks about political party funding. It's you know it's some really big key issues that I really hope that we return to this story as a kind of as the. the kind of calms down and we yeah. everything gets back to normal a little bit i really hope that we get back to it because it's um it's a re it is actually really important to notice that the home secretary Pritchard patel has said that what she did what this christine lee was doing was just under the criminal threshold wow so it's just under so just it seems like but she said that she was under she was still under investigation but do we know where she is now going, I, I don't know. I generally don't know. Her yeah. son, though, was working for Barry in his office. Yeah, until a few days and ago. Had, and he resigned. Uh, he resigned his position a couple of a couple of um, days oh, ago. Yeah. Um, and, that, and again, that's just extraordinary. What was there some kind of quid pro quo situation going on? Like Barry has some serious. Or just a favor? Can you do me a favor? Just a favor, you know. Don't get me wrong. We we all know MPs that have hired people's sons and daughters to do some kind of grunt work in an, in an office so they can put it on the CV yeah. and then move on elsewhere. That is, unfortunately, that is kind of how Parliament works, yeah. if you have those kind of contacts. But 
I mean, this this woman seems dodgy as anything. And, you know, Barry really should have known better. And the Labour Party has some questions to answer about what they've done with the money, as does Barry, and as does Ed Davey as well, because that went to his um, constituency, local like constituency. association, yes. local, local group, didn't it? Rather than the Lib Dems' main group. But um, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit weird. But with this I one, I kind yeah. of forgive Ed Davey a little bit. Because he wasn't the direct recipient of it. No, but, um, but he, he did. He know, was in government at the time, though, so it's a bit dodgy. Yeah, that's <laughs> also a really good point. He was in government, so <laughs> yeah. Um, but, this story is it's just extraordinary. Yeah, um, and it, and it, it is interesting. Um, the Lords, the Lord Speaker, the, so the Speaker of the House of Lords, issued this email that went around to all members of the House of Lords, saying, "Be very careful who you're meeting with. Make sure you do your due gil- do gil- diligence." God, that's hard to say. Yeah, and. You know, but let's be extra careful here. And I, I think the same. I think Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the Commons, went sent sent, sent a very similar email around. Yeah, when I first saw the email, I thought they were talking about me. I was like, "Don't hang out with my." Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, our YouTube was yeah. infiltrating. Oh, you, you are definitely on some list somewhere. <laughs> some list somewhere. <laughs> somewhere list somewhere. You are definitely on a list. Um, yeah. But no, it's an extraordinary story that yeah. um, has huge ramifications. It talks about, like I say, our our security. In particular, and, and just how stable and uh, and strong is our actual democracy and yeah. the actions of China? Are we, are we going to see some pushback from the Foreign Office? Yeah, they've been awfully quiet they on have. this. They have. Uh, I think it's because she doesn't really have any direct links to say um, to the CSS, which is the Chinese State Security. Uh, but it's it, she does seem to be up there as a, quite an influential figure within yeah. um, within Beijing. Yeah, it's um, just one of those yeah, that uh, I, can gather, I think I think she's a solicitor over here. I Something. think that's her, like, cover, yeah. for want of a better phrase. But, I know. Um, it's, it's just one of those stories yeah. that we are they going to find out more soon or we're just going to stop hearing about it. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things. You're right. And I, I really hope that a lot of people <clears throat> kind of start putting this out on, on social media. So, it, you know, it kind of forces journalists to talk about yeah. it. To say that, well, wait a minute. What is going on here? Well, there are some questions to ask. To, yeah. We need some answers. And, you know, and I do hope that we come back to it. I really, really yeah. do, because, you know, we Russian interference has been an allegation for quite some yeah. time, particularly over the Brexit referendum. That that was that was rife. But it was it's now interesting that China and, and it seems to be opposition parties that are yeah. now trying to influence in some way. Yeah. You know, we have to have a conversation about this. Yeah, um, absolutely. And. Well, definitely but yeah. yeah it's just like i said it was just a small little blip of a story that <laughs> like i, I said if it, this if the down street stuff hadn't have happened this probably would have been a leading leading yeah. story for Absolutely. at least um, yeah. a couple of news cycles for sure we'll see um, well, what, what, apart from because there are many issues right now happening obviously and one of them is this but there's a lot that's kind of been covered uh, or some of them has been there's been a cover-up like for example there's like there's reverse cover-ups, uh, like self-leaking, or like today when we heard about the whole kind of um, the Royal Navy being sent to Dover. It's more like a, oh, we are oh, finally yeah. admitting we need to have help and we're going to ask the Royal Navy. Uh, so it, it, there's so many different stories. What's next on your kind of uh, list? So my next one is the BBC and the TV license. Oh, my favorite. My favorite. I've been. I have to admit, I've enjoyed this story. <laughs> I am no great lover of the BBC. I, I'm going to hold my hands up to that. I'm a pay. I'm a paid-up member of the defund the BBC movement. <laughs> I am right there. So Nadine Doris yesterday um, reported. Uh, she gave us um, to the. I think it was to the Daily Mail that uh, it would be the end of the TV license. That state the state-run broadcaster was was coming to an end. That era was ending and. 
it's just for the details really quickly it's looking like whilst it's not been officially announced yet this is what's looking like it's going to happen it's going to be frozen for two years yeah. and um one of the most important things for me is it's and Nadine made this really clear it would be the end of criminal coercion and so like they would stop basically trying to prosecute they would stop prosecution it would no longer be a criminal offense not to pay the tv Finally. license yeah so i think it, i think they would have to keep it as a civil offense otherwise no one's no one would have a reason to pay it yeah but they it is really important that that has been dropped that has been a huge area that a lot of campaigners have really pushed on for quite some time now yeah. um and and it's um it's really really welcome to see so uh, it, so it works out and this is so a lot of the pro uh, bbc lot have gone mental today on twitter yeah. uh, but it works out that the bbc would lose about two billion pounds worth of funding by this freeze because what they wanted to do was to put it what would have happened by april under the current system if they would have risen from 159 pounds a year to 167 pounds wow. a year that's it's quite a big it's not it's a big job you know yeah. it's a quite a big job but you know nearly 170 quid yeah, it's fair enough for especially at a time when a lot, a lot of people's um, energy bills are doubling up anyway. So there will be a lot of people is, This is exactly struggling. the point that so many people have been making today. And I'm really happy to see that there's some strong arguments coming out against mm. this nonsense. That, you know, at a time where people really are feeling the pinch, it is absolutely hilarious that the people that have been hitting the government about the cost of living crisis want to slap on an extra tax, basically, yeah. which is what this is, um, onto working families. And you know, they'll, well, they say, well, well, you know, there's, um, you know, if you fall within certain uh, under universal credit, you know, yeah. certain rules. But the, the, for those who are classed as just about managing, this is a hefty amount of money. It's yeah. only two hundred quid, and it's all and it's all right for the likes of Emma Kennedy and Gary Lineker and Armando Iannucci who have all come out today praising the BBC. And I'm like, yeah, that's nothing to you. No, two hundred quid for some people is a lot of money. On the, on the other hand, two two million pounds it could easily be uh, saved. They just need to fire Gary Lineker. That's his salary. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> two, two million. Um, they... Yeah, but, I, but one of my big things about the way that these pro BBC people have come out is, and it harks back to when I first started doing political campaigning. Was I had a mentor that said to me, "Sometimes a cause has to be saved from its friends." And this is before you could save it from his enemies. And this is exactly what we're seeing. People like Gary Lineker do not realize that they are the reason that people don't want the BBC. Yeah. So like for them coming out and trying to defend it, you're not helping. No. The way that they're doing it is not helping. Dan Walker as well. Yeah. Um, the guy from BBC Breakfast came was tweeting that it was it's only 43p a day. Yeah. And it's and everyone's just like, well, it's not the point of the money. That's not the point. The, the fact that you're forcing me to pay it, particularly yeah. if you don't use it. Um, actually, on Dan Walker, uh, GB News' uh, Dan Wooten had a really good tweet about this, saying, how on earth can you pretend to now be impartial on this topic, yeah. which is required by you under the BBC Charter? Because you've <laughs> already come out with a very clear position, which is yeah. also, by the way, breaking Tim Davies' social media True. rules they're not, about yeah. how they're supposed to behave. So. If anything, Dan Walker has made this 10 times worse. And as of a lot of other BBC journalists who have come out defending the BBC and are saying like, whoa, 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 you've just proven yeah. why people have a pop, have a problem yeah. with the BBC. And they're so lacking in the self-awareness. It, yeah, it's they don't, they don't understand. Cause I kept replying to their tweets uh, saying that, you know, it's not the amount. Even if it's two pounds, yeah. I'm still opposing the idea because, you know, yeah. you're trying to force us. That's the problem. Yeah. And the other one they always keep going on about is, um, oh, well, it's got so much, so much great content. 
And I'm, I just keep thinking, well, if it is that great, put it out into the free market. Let it survive. <laughs> Actually let the market decide if, if the TV you're making is that good. Yeah. Because I don't know if it, if it can compete. The problem is there's so many people now at the BBC who, if the, if the BBC did go to subscription service, yeah. that it had to properly compete. I don't think they'd know how to. That's the so problem. They're used to be... being protected by the, by the license fee. And that's yeah. why they're clinging on to it. Despite the fact they could earn probably twice the amount of money oh, yeah. if they went subscription-based, they're clinging on to it because it means they don't have to com- they don't have to compete. And there is no um, kind of consequence for failing TV shows. It's, it's, it's like know? those old industries that were so subsidized and nationalized for so long that they, they just didn't know how to compete in a free market. Yeah. That's the problem. Because if, yeah. if the content is so good anyway, there will be, there will be a demand for it regardless. And uh, Deborah Meaden tweeted saying that, because uh, there's, there's, there's been this propaganda over the last couple of days, all of them come out to defend their own mm. job. And yeah. <laughs> Deborah Meaden came Isn't out to say... Isn't it really funny? The people that have made millions out of the BBC are very intent on they're, the BBC They're very defensive of it, don't know. But Deborah Meaden came out and said, um, for those of you kicking the BBC, when it's gone, you'll miss it. And like, no one's talking about going. It's, it's just a debate about funding, the model. Yeah. No one's saying stay or yeah. go. You could stay, you could do whatever you want to do. Yeah, the yeah. dishonesty from some people is absolutely incredible. And that's the thing. Even if the BBC went to a subscription model, I would probably still buy it. Mm. I would, I would probably still sign up. But the thing, point is, I made that decision. Yeah. And if I, if I don't want to use it, yeah. then I don't get my any body, of the my choice. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, I know it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but it is about yeah. choice. Yeah. And the BBC keep the defend, BBC defenders keep going on about um, oh the content and how everybody mm. loves the BBC, and I'm just like, well, prove it. Prove it. If you're that confident, prove it. But I think a lot of the kind of mentality is motivated by fear. Yeah. Because a lot of people I've seen who are defending the BBC also seem to have voted Remain. Yeah. Seem to have been Jeremy Corbyn supporters or yeah. at least sympathetic Labour supporters and all seem to be rather metropolitan, liberal, that kind of mentality. Yeah. And they, those people have basically had their entire worldview crumble in the last seven years. And the BBC is like the last bastion that they've mm. got. It's, yep. their, it's like their last stand, really. So, and if they lose the BBC, their entire world is over. Yep. Everything they thought they understood about this country is just wrong. Yep. And I, I think this is their real motivation here, is that they think that if they can cling on to the BBC and keep hold of their influence over the BBC, then there is hope that what they want to happen to the country can happen. And I think I think this is where the real motivation lies for for quite a lot of them. Um, yeah. But on the plus side, it, yeah. it is it is the beginning of the end for the BBC anyway. So and it's not just the, the Tory government destroying it; it's actually the market destroying it. Your Netflixes, your Disney Pluses, your all yeah. the, the other new, new channels coming. GB News. It, it's all these new innovations that is yeah. actually killing the BBC. It's yeah. not it's not Boris. It's not Nadine Doris. It's not Tories. Oh, this this <laughs> idea that it's Nadine Bo- Nadine Doris uh, reacting to bad coverage of Downing Street. <laughs> and I'm just like I'm not being funny, but where the, where have you been for the last twenty years, or yeah. if not even longer? People have been campaigning against the TV yeah, license if, yeah, since before, it was yeah. even con- the concept of the TV license came about. Ages ago. And, yeah, and I'm just like, it's yeah. such a cheap distraction because it just means that they don't actually have to answer any of the tough questions. They can just say, oh, you just. They just don't like it because they're being mean to Boris. I mean, like, you've been mean to Boris most of his professional career. I think we're pretty used to you being mean to Boris. Oh, no. If but- anything, 
the the coverage of B, of the Boris by the BBC has been anything. It's just been predictable. Well, yeah, you know? you know, what do you no, no one's really surprised by no, it. No one's no. angry by it. We're just like, oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it is yeah. what it is. I mean, it's, it's the envy of the world. Uh, so is, what, what what else do we have? And, right, I'd say, so the final... The final big one, I think, um, this this basically went completely unreported, and it was actually a um, story about the economy. We are back to pre-pandemic levels of economic growth, mm. which is fantastic news. Um, in the last quarter, we rose by 0.9% in growth, and it was only expected to, and it was expected to be terrible. Yeah, absolutely Recession. terrible. Yeah. So the um, the chairman of the NatWest, um, the head of uh, um, economy for EY, who are the, the auditors of the accountancy firm, uh, the Union Credit, who have quite a, a influence over the uh, UK economy, and multiple members of the Financial Times all predicted that it was going to be terrible, that we wouldn't be back to the levels we're at now by 2023. Mm. And, you know, and employment now stands at 4.2%, wow. which they also expected to rocket yeah. uh, after furlough ended. And that didn't happen. No, either. that's true. You know, so this is a great story. Yeah. But what's really important about it is that this is fantastic and what's known what I always call like the higher economy. So it's like about mm. the nationwide. What the government has now got to do is take this growth and make it work for ordinary people. Yeah, the jam. <laughs> the cost of living crisis is going to be the issue at the next general election. It's not going to be COVID. It's not going to be parties. It's not going to be anything like that. It is going to be how much bang for your buck do you actually have anymore? And with inflation of standing at 5.1%, we, the Conservatives and the government really need to have a plan to force this economic growth into something good. So people yeah. can feel like they don't have to keep worrying about where every time they go to the shops, yeah. um, you know, that they can afford to buy the food that they want. Yeah, and also I mean, they, they, don't, they also don't feel that it's just Amazon that's doing well because of the economic growth. It's also us, no. and, like, people up yeah. and down the country. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Oxfam today came out with a story. Oh, um, God, yeah. The Don't get me started with that. People have doubled the wealth. I'm like, like yeah, because they run the they run the services of the companies and the, the goods that we want to yeah. buy. And like so, the boss of Amazon getting money. Like, yeah, because Amazon did well during the pandemic because everyone bought it from yeah. them. Well, you should have done well. <laughs> what are you complaining? Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? I, I was just utterly It's just attacking the rich for the sake of it. It's just, yeah, it's nonsensical. Yeah. It, it, it really, it really, really was. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is going to be a quite a big challenge for the government um, to try and tackle a lot this issue. Uh, but you know, it's looking, the economy is looking a lot stronger than a lot of people are giving it credit for. But people, are, the problem is people have got to feel like the economy is doing well for them, and that's that will be the big challenge for the government to make this yeah. economic growth work for people on the street. There's and I, I think. I think with a good plan, I think it's possible. I, th I it's not out of the realms of possibility, but no. we 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 need to start seeing action now, so that by the time the election comes in about eighteen months to two years, hmm. you know, people will then start to feel more comfortable. They feel like the the money in the pocket is going to go further, and that's and that's one of the biggest factors at general elections. It really yeah. is. It, you know, people always talk about the economy, or sorry, people always talk about immigration or education stuff. It is the economy. It is yeah. the economy every single time that tops yeah. um, every general election uh, is, list of policy. To be um, fair, with, the, um, with this thing, bit. there has been good news and bad news. The, 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 there's, on, on the one hand, good news is, uh, well, not just the economy is obviously growing. It's also apparently seems like England will be the first place in the whole world, uh, like you know, in terms of the developed world, that's going to get out of the pandemic and everything else, all the yeah. restrictions and everything else. So that's a win. 
Um, and you know, as as you said, they all predicted the recession. They all predicted also everyone's going to die of COVID and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's good news. But there is also slightly scary news, which is uh, China's economy is massively growing, and some people don't oh. understand why we're scared. Some yeah. people like don't understand why you should be afraid of it. Yeah, eight point one percent. The Chinese economy grew. That is insane. So yeah, so the Chinese economy grew by eight point one percent. And that just means that their influence and their growth yeah. and the and the size of their economy is just astronomical. Mm. It's and everybody should be terrified at this. Yeah. Everybody should be terrified. But no, we're all bothered about who had a party on in the basement of Downing Street. I mean, I'm not again. I'm not saying that people don't have a right to be angry. No. But this is a real story that has yeah. real consequences for people's lives. And it, it's just not being paid attention. It to is enough. scary because while while China kind of embraced the capitalist model, it's like capitalist mm. national socialist weird thing. Uh, but but they they're not embracing capitalism for the sake of empowering their people, individuals. Right. They're doing it to empower the state, so that then the state yes. could like be the rivals for the, all the other countries. Like when we get powerful, when you know Americans get powerful, and, like individuals get rich, like your Elon Musk's and all that. Yeah, it's because they they. they the capitalist the economic model helps individuals get you know, rich and you know and successful we're not doing it for the sake of the american government or the british state whereas uh, mm. with china you should be scared so when the economy goes up it just makes the chinese state stronger <laughs> not the people yeah it does yeah that's, that's completely completely correct um one of the bigger problems with the chinese economy is for about 20 years now people have been waiting for it to burst yeah that doesn't look like it's going to happen no, no, anymore because no. everyone was everyone's going to say oh we don't have to worry about china because eventually its economy will kind of implode on itself because of a growing middle class. That doesn't seem to have happened yet. And they've been no. saying it's going to happen since long before I was at university. And I remember that was being hammered home to us when everybody, when, when we studied China. Yeah. But um, yeah. It's it, scary because I think, I think China is just scary. replicating the early, day, early days America. America became big, you know, 200, 300 years ago based on, well, firstly tobacco. They make tobacco, sold to the world, then cotton, things like that. Uh, and it was simply just about exporting, exporting, exporting. And that's how it became what it is now. I think now China, whilst it's a national socialist regime on a kind of societal level, mm. economically, they're basically early days America. They're like, okay, let's just yeah. export. Let's make things and sell. That's all we have to do. Yeah. And it works, unfortunately. You no, know, it does work. It, it really does. And um, well, I think we will see probably in, in definitely in our lifetimes that China will become the dominant superpower in the world. Yeah, I get, mean, get, I think get ready to learn Mandarin. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm going to say um, a friend of mine, um, her kids have just started at uh, primary school and they have Mandarin lessons. Oh, God, that's weird. It's, <laughs> it's worrying. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, like, it's, I'm not being funny. I think at primary school, I was learning the colors and the, the, and the English alphabet, let alone the Mandarin. <laughs> Soon we're going to have Sweden Sour, Big Max. Yeah, that's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, but you, ha you also have, there's a lot of other things that happened, obviously, over the oh, last week or so, yes. right? Like, well, small bits, but big, right? Yeah, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to list off um, about nine things Ooh. that have also happened that are really important. Is it like a drinking game? Time, <laughs> it's gonna be, yeah, it's going to be like a rapid fire news. <laughs> I'm just going to fly through them really quickly. Yeah. Um, all these stories are Googleable, and all the information is people want to find it, it's all out there. Um, but these are like some big things that have also happened at, whilst all the Danish trip has been going on. So, number one, Laura Kunzberg has announced she is leaving the BBC and they have opened applications up uh, for people to become the new political editor of the BBC. It's a huge role. It's a very yeah. important role. How desperate and, are they that they're advertising it? Just get someone. I don't get... <laughs> well, yeah, so this is the interesting thing about it, just really quickly. 
Uh, most people expected it to be an internal yeah. person, like an internal promotion. They've opened it up to everybody, um, and that surprised quite a lot of people. The odds, fa- the bookie's favorite is John Sopel, who's the uh, um, America editor. Right. I don't think he's. I don't think he would be the right choice. No, no. Jeremy Clarkson um, would be good, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I don't really have a favorite, but I just know John Sopel is not at the top of my list. Uh, next, you touched on it really briefly, but it's looking like all uh, Plan B restrictions and most COVID restrictions are going to be lifted. Um, the evidence seems to support this, and it's looking like England in particular, like you say, is going to be the first country in the world probably to move past the yeah. pandemic. Um, that's a huge win for yeah. Boris. It's a huge win for the country as well. Yeah. And Sorry, I think bef- it, before you continue, yeah. you know what that means? Not only do we have to protect our borders from the French in Dover, we have to protect it from Wales and Scotland because everyone's going to move to England. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. So this thing, when I was on the train but coming back from um, uh, my parents in the north, back to London uh, just before New Year, and the, the train that I get starts in Glasgow, and the number of um, Scottish people on the train <laughs> saying they were coming to London for New Year was <laughs> substantial. I think, I think about two-thirds of the train was wow. people who got on at, at Glasgow. Um, but amazing. Um, next, next is quite an interesting little story. Um, there is a thing called the Number 10 Behavioural Unit, and they have helped in COVID about how to try and convince people and how to the messaging should be worked to kind of get people to social scare distance. Them, yeah. <laughs> basically scare them. And this is what they, they've come out as. Um, it's known as the nudge theory. It's had to kind of, kind of elbow people into doing the right thing. The founder of the Behavioural Unit um, wrote a piece in Unheard saying, um, that their work was massively overused and it was close to state propaganda. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and he's basically kind of accusing the government of quite some serious things here. My problem is he's doing this after the fact. Yeah, isn't that shifting the blame? So, <laughs> yeah. If he's so annoyed and if yeah. he was, if the, the work was so egregious and like, you know, it was so wrong, shouldn't he yeah. have said something a little bit earlier on? That's it true. It just kind of seemed like he's kind of passing the blame on a little bit. Yeah, here, it feels like it. Because he knows that there will be a full investigation into how the government conducted itself over COVID. And this is going to be a big factor of it. Yeah. So I don't know whether this is just him kind of edging his bets already. Yeah. But again, that's the number 10 behavioral unit. It's, it's a decent article. I would recommend people go and read it. Uh, next is everyone's favorite Ramona, Gina Miller. Will. She's back with a vengeance. You know, <laughs> she, this, this woman just won't go away, will she? No. <laughs> she, I, <laughs> she just won't go away. She's like Omicron, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> she really is. She's she's the new variant. That's what I'm She's the new variant. She's the new COVID the, variant. The Gina variant, yep. <laughs> Gina Miller. So she launched her new political party, yep. um, Truth and Something, they're called. I, Truth and yeah, Fair. She had 13 people turning up. So that was good. I know, yeah. And um, she went on, she was interviewed by Emma Barnett over at the BBC. And um, she said, um, oh, um, she wasn't that bothered by people not turning up. She said she was more concerned about the sexist criticism that she received on social media. And I was like, no, Gina, people just don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Um, You know, but it it was the classic deflection of... Yeah. Lack of policy and I'd be able to answer some tough questions where they say, oh, you're just being sexist. You know, you just criticize me because I'm a woman. Um, I, I have to admit, I got a quick look through social media. I didn't see much in the way of nasty abuse. I saw people having a little pop. It's just criticism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just criticism. Um, oh, we just called it a variant. Like if it's that. Stella Creasy's <laughs> done that. Yeah, exactly. Stella Creasy's done that today, actually. Um, do you know, because she's been pushing for better maternity cover for... Yeah. Um, for new mother, new mothers in Parliament, um, 
she said today, oh, everyone who was criticizing me was just telling me that um, I was a bad mom and everything. I was like, no, people just don't think it's a good idea for you to bring your baby into into work. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it was that idea that anybody who criticized it was insulting. Yeah. And it, it just bleeds into this victim mentality. So that, that was that day. But um, I try not to pay attention to telecoms yeah. if, I can, if I can help it. Yeah. Um, another big story that happened was, again, everyone's favorite Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burko, is back oh, he's in the back. news. <laughs> there was a report into his behavior about how he worked with everybody whilst he was Speaker, and it's um, pretty damning, actually. Um, it's definitely stopped him becoming a member of the House of Lords. This report has ended that hope yeah. about him being a bully, being quite creating a toxic and hostile environment. He's come out and said it's all rubbish. He said it's just a... Um, a report to stop him going into the Lords, but you know it does seem to have some worth to it. This report, I have to admit, yeah. I've, I've only read the ex, like the kind of the briefing of it, but I'm not I'm not read the full thing. But it's quite damning, even from that bit. Um, but yeah, so he he's back in the news. Um, Jonathan Van Tam oh, has yes. stepped down. He's gone. As a, um, With his knighthood, advisor. he took his knighthood. Bye. <laughs> took his knighthood and gone. But to, to be honest, I, I, this is a good sign, though. I mean, like, if the top team is moving on... But they, they, they Yeah, must, that means it's, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's the way I'm trying to look at it. Because, you know, Van Tam was, was obviously more in favour of restrictions than most other people were. He yeah. was it's quite locked down, like, frenzy, but... We lost you, I think. We're going to sort this out. Give me a sec. And Jonathan Van Tam. Uh, so yeah, that oh, yeah, was <laughs> rather, rather kind of like thanks, yeah. see you later kind of situation. Yeah. He didn't really get much of a fanfare. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Well, it, it is what yeah. it is. But I think and it's then, a good thing. But yeah. The, um, the VIP lanes for PPE contracts was ruled illegal by the High Court. Unlawful. Is, uh, <laughs> unlawful. Sorry, unlawful. Sorry. Correction. Thank you for that. Uh, unlawful. Um, well, there was quite interesting it was in the judge's ruling he said looking at the evidence presented the the people who got the contracts would have got the contracts anyway yeah but, yeah I, I get that but also it's not the point is it because <laughs> yeah. I, I know that uh, yes some of the companies deserved it already but you should still not really kind of advocate for that sort of that sort of behavior <laughs> vip no no but then if you think about it at the time we were desperate for people it was emergency These people had it you know, and it just seemed to be that people are protecting the process rather than realizing that maybe in a, in a national emergency, which this realistically was, maybe a six months of tendering out of contracts was not really a practical thing to do. <laughs> I, I really hope that somebody goes back and says, all right, okay, they should have done what they've done, yeah. but maybe we should write this into the rules now that if there is a legitimate emergency, yeah. we, you know, we can That'll do that. Yeah. Exactly. I really hope... Somebody somewhere has gone back and made a post-it note somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And then just the last two quick ones. Uh, a lady called Anne-Marie Morris, who's a Conservative MP, she lost the whip yeah. because she voted in favour of Labour's VAT tax cut on yeah. energy prices. Um, what's quite interesting about that was Anne-Marie um, was one of the first people to put her letter in against Boris Johnson. So what ah, that revenge. means is because she doesn't have the whip, <laughs> it doesn't count oh so, yeah which i didn't realize actually that's but, mean um, that was explained to me by a member of the whips office who explained that to me uh but um well that, that, that gives that a big hint to the government all they have to do is just when yeah. it gets to the, like the threshold just get rid of a couple of people <laughs> just get yeah just just spend the whip every time it gets really close <laughs> wow um but no uh, like I said, as we just said earlier, energy prices and cost of living is going to be a huge thing. 
I don't think Anne-Marie Morris was right to vote for the Labour motion. It was not a good idea. Hmm. Wholesale VAT cuts just don't work for yeah. anyone. And I mean, in reality, it'd probably save people about 10 or 20 quid. Yeah. In re- it doesn't really save people that much yeah, money as people as they're making it out to be. And finally, uh, Novak Djokovic has been deported from Australia. <laughs> Every I'm, two minutes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've done a... I think you've done a couple of videos on this anyway, yeah. but... Um, again, this is a big story. I, I mean, Australia seems to have lost its mind. Oh, they've gone crazy. Um, <laughs> they've gone crazy. I have. I knew they were crazy anyway. I know, but what I'm worried about is the, these governments, like Australia specifically, and there's a few like them, yeah. like in New Zealand, Canada's gone crazy. My problem with them, my fear, if I were living there, is once this is over, how do you come back from this chaos? How do you come mm. back from this level of authoritarianism? At least we never got to that point. Like, so we yeah. were a bit lucky. But how do you make make Australia free again? Can you do it? I don't well, understand. They see, that's a really good point. How do these how do these rather kind of more authoritarian moments, how do they kind of climb down from the positions that they're in? The one thing I will give the way Britain went about it was we had regular check-ins where like the, the coronavirus like, had to be kind of re-voted on. Yeah, you know, so we did yeah. have a moment. Yeah, there was a bit of democracy at least. Yeah. <laughs> repeal everything. As far as far as I know, and I'm sure maybe somebody watching, maybe know a little bit more than I do on this, but I don't think Australia put anything like that into their no, legislation. Yeah. And I know, yeah. I know the French haven't, and I know the Dutch didn't either, because it was quite a big criticism at the time of their legislation. But but they have good courts. Know, they have really, good judiciaries. Really, yeah, yeah, it is a really good point about how they start to kind of climb down mm. and start to. <laughs> You know, when you basically kind of held your entire population inside for two, nearly three years. Yeah. You know, what, what, how, how do you kind of say, oh, yeah, we're the good guys again? Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if people are really going to fall for it, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. But yes, yeah, so that's the end of my quick fire. That was I'm fun. really sorry to kind of throw that at everybody, but I think my, what I just really want to just kind of wrap up on is this is the thing that happens when a big story dominates the news there are other things that are equally not necessarily equally important but that are important that happen yeah and sometimes governments can be very cheeky and announce things that they don't want people to pay attention yeah. to yeah and oppositions can do the same yeah. and you know in, in, in the media they call it taking out the trash yeah so you just dump everything <laughs> uh, on a big news day um but yeah so that's that's kind of everything else is majorly that, that, that i've been looking at and i know maya you said to me before that i only care about the things that nobody else cares about <laughs> amazing this is, this is kind of an insight into kind of what people like myself do that we look at these other stories and and how they're gonna how they could potentially play out into to become even bigger stories than they are yeah well on, on that note happy blue monday everybody <laughs> yeah happy blue monday isn't, isn't the world wonderful <laughs> i know have a great week have fun uh, no, thanks you guys for watching and thanks for all the support and thanks to peter i keep doing this that way uh, <laughs> i'll see you guys in the next video